Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code, the management consultancy for what happens next. For more information, you can visit heroncode.com. In this podcast, we will be talking to female leaders of today to inspire the leaders of tomorrow. I learned how to be very independent. I learned how to learn how to do things if I don't know how to do them. I learned not to have fear of people. I learned not to maybe just stay still and let things be. If there is something that I want to do and there's a change, I will just go for it. Okay, in my previous positions, I did not have this authority. Now, having it gave me the chance to reflect on what I have learned and what I'm seeing today and keeping up with it. Not only just I'm doing it for the sake of doing it. I could have said to the management, look for someone experienced, have them put in place. Mm -hmm. But I chose to prove it to myself before anyone else that if someone else can do it, I can do it. So why to waste time? If they had the exception, then what's stopping us from getting it by ourselves? Mm -hmm. For sure they did something to get it. I'm sure then we can get it. Mm -hmm. We're a financial institution, it's a public listed company. Why not? We need to leverage on that. And we worked nine months building the strategy. Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code. Ladies and gents, welcome back to the Heron Code Women in Leadership podcast, where we are joined every single episode by a different woman leader from different walks of life with different stories and different journeys to where they have got to today. And they share those stories right here with you. I'm your host, Nimi Mehta. And on today's episode, we are joined by Neda Abadi, who is the Human Capital VP at Al Jazeera. And Someone who has successfully completed the HC corporate merger and acquisition of Al Jazeera in 2021. And just to give you an idea, that was just during her first year as HCVP. Uh, Neda, welcome Thank to the podcast. You. How are you? you? Good, my dear. How are you? Oh, amazing. Perfect. Amazing. I'm so excited to talk to you today because I feel like we have so much to get through <laughs> and not enough time. So let, let's, let's take everyone back because okay. you were born and raised in Jeddah. Yes. And what was that like for you? Uh, you, I imagine you were a young girl with big dreams. I did, actually. And I was one of those very, I would say, social people. I was always surrounded by big groups of friends and uh, until at the age of 17. And uh, since then, I just uh, went to London. But by the time I went to London, I had this sort of attachment that I still needed. I still wanted to stay in Jeddah and think that, oh, I want to stay close to my friends. But little did I know that my life totally shifted after that yeah. when I moved to London. Wow. Yes. And so when you were in Jeddah, what was your surroundings like? I mean, were you able to dream big? Did you? I did. Lucky. I was very fortunate and lucky enough that I have a family that they're very supportive. Mm. They encourage you. My siblings and I are a total of, uh, we are six. Yeah. So each one of us is lucky enough that we have such parents that they were very supportive. Mm-hmm. They drove us to that uh, ambition and being um, enthusiastic about doing things in life, not just for taking things for granted mm-hmm. and uh, assuring that they will remain there. You have to work for, for what you want. You have to learn how to get there, even if you don't want it, and always ask. Mm-hmm. So I was lucky enough. So my mom did that from the academic point of view, and my dad took it from the very practical point of view, I would say, in life. Mm-hmm. So combining these two factors... I think had a very uh, positive impact and contribution towards each one of us. Yeah. It's interesting because academically, I 
I was terrible. So <laughs> <laughs> academics, what a confession! <laughs> yeah. Academics was not strong for me. Yeah. Uh, however, you went on to do a master's. I did, but you know the thing is, I'm not maybe far from that statement. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that I'm very strong mm-hmm. yet. I know where my weaknesses were, and I worked hard not mm. to have them as an obstacle. I'm not one of those people that, by the way, when maybe I would read a, a sentence or maybe hear a statement that I would just interpret it in a certain way. I need to dig deep. Mm-hmm. So I know that in order for me to make this weakness into something that I can rely on, leverage on, mm-hmm. I need to work hard. Mm. My, um, my sister, uh, she was with me in London as well, and she did her studies there as well. She's smart by nature. Yeah. Okay, I'm not saying I'm not doing yeah, anyway. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes you know where you need to work a bit more and then you focus on that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting so, because you moved to London and, and yes. that that would have been very different. Terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. There is no other word for it. Yeah. I went there and I had attachment issues. I didn't know. I didn't want to leave Saudi at that mm. time. And I was 17 and I was telling my mom in the first two weeks I went to London, like, are you sure about this decision? We are too young. Why are you leaving us here? Mm. But then life changed. Wow. Yes. And so what did London teach you? What did moving away from your hometown teach you? Everything Mm. by the definition of the word itself. I learned how to be very independent. I learned how to learn how to do things if I don't know how to do them. I learned not to have fear of people. I learned not to maybe just stay still and let things be. If there is something that I want to do and there's a change, I will just go for it. Because when I first went to the UK, I I wasn't in London. I was in a city called Nottingham, Mm -hmm. if you're familiar with it. And when I was there, I realized that if I can go somewhere big and I can interact with different cultures and backgrounds and everything, then why am I staying here? And then from Nottingham, I worked towards moving to London. So I did that as well by myself. So mm-hmm. these are the sort of things that you learn, that how can I do everything on my own? Mm-hmm. I don't have my mom or dad here. Yeah. I don't have my big group of friends. Mm-hmm. I have a support system, a good one. No one should deny that if, you, if they're lucky enough to have this uh, sort of support. Mm. But eventually it's on you. It's on you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting because it's also a personality type. Yes. I, I moved over here to Dubai seven years ago and mm-hmm. I'm not a sociable person so I really struggled to make friends how is it for you to kind of build that network and build that social circle uh, at the beginning I was I was very conservative mm-hmm. in regards of like I was sociable but I had that fear of if I get to know certain people how am I going to be sure that I'm getting to know the right people mm-hmm. because I'm there on my own so I need to make sure that they're a good company yeah. so at the beginning I was I was very conservative and then you get to know people. If they're good enough, fine. If not, you learn your lesson and you understand what sort of people that you want to engage or not to engage yourself. Because this is what I always believe in. In real life, in work life, it doesn't matter. If you surround yourself with the right people, they will take you to places even further than the ones that you have ever imagined. Mm-hmm. So, and I think since that time, I always focused on surrounding myself with those kind of people, either the ones that supported me in my studies mm-hmm. at that time or living there on our own. We have no one, so mm-hmm. we need to rely on each other. We need to feel that there is sort of, not independency, but at least you know that there is a shoulder yeah, when you need someone. Absolutely. So even there, I was very conservative when it came to choosing whom to be with, of surrounded course. by. Yes. Yeah. 
uh, it's an important choice as well, especially when you're going through yeah. education, you're trying to achieve and you didn't just get a degree. You went on to get a master's yes. as well. Again, so that's yes. when you when yes, you yes, went yes. to London. Tell me what what was your education in? What were your degrees in? And then what okay. was your master's in? When I did my bachelor, I did it in human resources management mm-hmm. from the University of East London. And while I was doing it there, reading everything and having it in theory is really good. But then I went back to Saudi in 2012 Mm -hmm. and I started working in the HR field and I didn't expect that whatever I have took or studied and it was on a theory, somehow it's not related to real life experience. Mm -hmm. And at that time I was like, okay, I need to know, should, do I want to continue doing this? Even though that I know it, it does not apply to whatever I studied and learned. Or I want to change it and make the scope bigger. Mm-hmm. And then while working, I took the decision to do my master's in international uh, business. So at least I have a better scope mm-hmm. on how to do things, not specifically in one field. And when I did my master's and came back to work in Saudi, then I realized, okay, now it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- this is a basically what my decision based on. Uh, and, and what's interesting is before we started recording, we were talking about that time you're doing yes. your master's, specifically your thesis. Yes. Tell me about that thesis and, and what you wrote that on. Okay, so at the time I was doing my master's, Saudi is not the Saudi as we know today. Mm-hmm. It was a very, uh, we started at that time, yes, but not as in the way that we're seeing it today. So at that time, I was thinking of myself. I was thinking of my family, my friends, the one I know for a fact, that they were focusing on getting certain positions, mm-hmm. but it wasn't happening. Yeah. And there is no any given reason. So I was like, okay, all what it takes from certain people is to contribute, even if by the slightest chance you get. Mm-hmm. And I thought, if I get the exposure myself, then maybe by the time I go back to Saudi, there is something for me that I can convey. Mm-hmm. And then I decided to do my thesis on gender diversity at the workplace in Saudi. Mm-hmm. Even my the surveys, the analysis and everything was based on companies in Saudi. People, all of them, they were Saudi nationality and or living in Saudi. So they are familiar with the background. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, uh, the results were interesting. Yet, seeing what we are seeing today, make you realize, okay, now you can see the difference. Now you can see the change. And at that time, the results comparing it to what we have now um, just makes sense mm. regarding the progress that ha- has happened. Yeah. yeah. And how do you think what you learned, you you actually implemented into your professional life then once once you graduated and once you moved on and became a working professional? Okay. It, regarding the gender thing mm. we're talking. Okay. So one of the things... Me being now, I would say, in this position, uh, vice president position, I have a certain authority. I have a way to influence a certain culture in the company. So when I started working, okay, in my previous positions, I did not have this authority. Now having it gave me the chance to reflect on what I have learned and what I'm seeing today and keeping up with it. Not only just I'm doing it for the sake of doing it. So as of now, as of we're speaking, the female population of Al Jazeera is above 50%. Wow. We are making sure today that, or I would say my theory towards it and the, the culture that I'm building is that today we're seeing females taking full responsibility of their families. Mm-hmm. They're being very independent. Saudi itself, the country, our vision now is empowering women. Mm-hmm. So why not giving everyone the chance to do what they can do best 
with their capabilities mm-hmm. and within the environment that they're working on. So we have housewives today at Al Jazeera. They're working in a very flexible matter and a very, I would say, not very demanding department, mm-hmm. yet that they can balance their work-life balance between having kids and maybe even taking them to nursery or to school and then coming to work. Mm-hmm. We have, since I joined the Jazeera, I was not the first one, I would say in certain uh, executive level, yet I'm the youngest one. So mm-hmm. after I joined and after I became in this uh, position, we started hiring people, females, I would say, within my age, within somehow even similar range of number for ease of experience. Mm-hmm. We have the youngest acting CFO today with the company. Wow. Yes. We're promoting our deputy co. She mm-hmm. is a female as well. So we're encouraging that. And I'm lucky enough that I have a supportive management who are supporting this approach as well. Mm. So taking all of this combined regarding your question. Yeah. Uh, when I did my thesis, what I have learned, how can I reflect it today? So when you give, I would say, not specifically me, but I'm, what I'm saying is that when you give certain authority, when you give flexibility and grace to certain people mm-hmm. and they would know how to utilize it well, you would see wonderful results mm-hmm. everywhere. And let's talk about the results of yes. having 50% plus, plus uh, yes. <laughs> that are females. Yes. Quick, Because business is about results at yes. the end of the day. Yes. It is about the numbers. Yes. Uh, tell, tell me about the positive results that have come out of making that decision and yes. making that change. High level of commitment. Mm. Very. Because today, what is every female, I would say, uh, nature is to have a family, have kids, and they should be very committed and dedicated towards their kids. Mm -hmm. So when you have such base that you are mixing with uh, different uh, backgrounds or personalities, you get a very high level of commitment. That commitment by default reflects on the productivity level because they want to prove themselves. They are very eager to make sure that they set up certain image Mm -hmm. and become a role model to their families at home. And to us, as an institution. So having said that, their commitment level is reflecting towards their productivity level and making them work in a very efficient matter. Yeah. And putting all of these keywords together, you saying this, I would say, make you understand that it's a win-win to the institution and to the person itself. Mm-hmm. And all of at the end of all of that, you get a certain recognition. Mm-hmm. And then you get promoted yeah you work your way up yes you really do and so tell tell me about what I mentioned when I was introducing you which was your first year at Al Jazeera is where you basically handled the merger and the acquisition of Al Jazeera in 2021 in the the aspect of HR yeah in HR so how was that because that's a lot in your first year difficult that experience on its own if that was my first year as a VP, mm-hmm. trust me, the exposure that I got from handling such projects, I think added to me like additional five years. Wow. Yeah. So even now, sometimes when I do interviews with companies, mm-hmm. I would say, or have certain meetings or what depends on the nature of the subject that we're talking on. I always tell them don't, because it's my own experience now. So mm-hmm. I can leverage on it and I can reflect on it as well. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you see people having 20 plus years on their, on their CVs. Mm-hmm. But when you ask them what you were doing in those 20 plus years or 15 regarding the number is, you would find that they were doing the exact maybe same job for the past 10 years. Yeah. But when you go through something that is drastically changing everyone and in every merger, we know one of the very, I would say, pain areas is the HR because, mm-hmm. you know, that it will be difficult to handle such tasks mm-hmm. in the merger. So by doing this, 
it added to me, I would say, five years extra (laughs) in my experience. Yeah. Yeah, So I always say, don't uh, judge by the number of years, judge by the value, Mm. by the practices that have been handled, by the tasks that were uh, done and completed, Mm. and measure it against the results as well. I'm not just saying that, look at it and say that, okay, it's done. Mm. Measure it against the results after. Yeah. So... It was a bit difficult because the company that we merged with, it was based in Riyadh and we were based in Jeddah. Mm-hmm. Totally different culture. Yeah. Totally different, uh, I would say, setup of people, mm-hmm. structure, skill set, mm-hmm. management, everything. And then you manage combining all of this within one headquarter based again in Jeddah. Mm-hmm. So the tasks that were tackled along the way, they were not the easiest mm-hmm. yet. I had one of two options. I was always telling myself that I'm giving an opportunity either to take it, Mm -hmm. go through it, and then let's see what will happen eventually. Or don't take it, Mm -hmm. stay in in the same place because I had that sort of fear. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'll just regret it later. And lucky enough, I went through it. Yeah, I'm glad you did. Mm -hmm. I mean, tell tell me about that fire in your belly, in your stomach to like, because you spoke about it from the very beginning, you know, not wanting to be in your comfort zone to break out and to learn more. Where does that come from? Do you think it's it's a natural thing and you're either that or you're not? Or is that something that you can build as a skill? No, it's not natural. Trust me. Mm. I'm one of those people that's very anxious. Yeah. Yeah. I have severe and I used to have severe anxiety attacks and panic attacks and everything. I, I was one of those people. But then throughout the years and the experience that I went through, I always have this thing in front of me. If someone can alter their mindset, they will then get the bittersweet of everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that no one wants to stay in their comfort zone. It's very pleasant. Yeah. And maybe some people will be okay, by the way, with it. But today we live in a very rapid changing world. If you do not keep up, you will look at yourself five years back, 10 years back, and you would say that, what did I do to myself? Mm-hmm. And what did I do to the society? I think it's a matter of just looking at your very older self. Mm-hmm. And then you would say, okay, in five, 10 years, I want to be something big. Yeah. Maybe not necessarily what mm-hmm. or how. I don't know. No one knows what the future holds for yeah. them. But I don't want to remain in the same place. Mm-hmm. I don't want to look back at myself. I don't want to tell my uh, younger uh, sister uh, or brothers that uh, I did nothing. Mm. It doesn't uh, set a good image. And the thing is, when you have the time, when you have the luxury of having actually the time, mm-hmm. when you have the luxury of, alhamdulillah, being in good health, mm-hmm. when you have supporting uh, family and friends, then what's stopping you? Yeah. So it's all in here. It's all, uh, as I told you, mm. I had severe anxiety before. I, al- I always wanted to be in my comfort zone, by the way. Mm. But then it's bits and pieces thing. Okay, I was like, I lived in London. I can do this on my own. I did my master's alone, not with my sister, like when I went there to do my bachelor's. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this is a different experience. Then it means that I can do something different on my own. Mm-hmm. And then I had the chance to work and this certain position as a vice president, I could have said to the management, look for someone experienced, have them put in place. Mm-hmm. And But I chose to prove it to myself before anyone else that if someone else can do it, I can do it. Yeah. So why to waste time? Mm. This is what, uh, this is basically how my mind works. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And the thing is, we're all changing. We're all yes. evolving. We yes. never stop learning. Shouldn't be. Yeah. And by the way, one of the very main factors, I would say, towards, having this sort of mindset Mm. as I said in the beginning always always surround yourself with people that will take you to higher places Mm -hmm. I was lucky enough alhamdulillah the group of people that I was surrounded by either in workplace or outside 
they believed in me even at the times that I doubted myself. Yeah. So those sort of people will take you to place. Always learn, always learn something new. I'm not always in favor of saying, okay, go get the certificate or go to a training. Not mm-hmm. necessarily, mm-hmm. but learn, learn something for yourself. Always read, mm-hmm. keep up with the trends that we have today. Set a, a role model to yourself. If you do all of this combined, and I, I'm, I'm for sure that other people would do something different as yeah. well, then you will reach somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I think, it's, as I said, it's all, all about altering your mindset towards yeah. the right place. There's so many steps yes. towards it. Yes. Uh, and, you know, you got to an incredibly high level, VP, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and being a woman. Yes. And, you know, uh, we've spoken to a lot of guests yes. on this podcast that have had very different experiences as women in leadership. Mm. Would you say it's been a challenging one as a woman in leadership? Have you come across a lot of hurdles just because of your gender and you being who you are? I did it, but I would not say in a very large form. Okay. I had it, maybe as I said, because we had two different companies and they were both set in two different cities. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was a cultural thing that I faced. Mm-hmm. Maybe um, someone is resisting to have their manager as a female. Maybe someone resisting to have not necessarily female, but young age. Yeah. Maybe what I face more is the uh, age actually mm. factor, not being a female. Interesting. Because the thing is, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. And the company I work at, their culture is very, how I would say, very supportive towards female. Mm-hmm. So I cannot much leverage on that. Yeah. Yet, culture-wise, yes, it was there. But it was very, I would say, well-controlled. Mm, yeah. Interesting. And, and so now, I mean, like you said, we, we touched on earlier, over 50% of yeah. the workforce being females. What can companies do? Because those are staggering numbers yes. already. Even when you said that, I was shocked. And it's not really, okay. I guess, like cheered about <laughs> or congratulated about. But what can other companies do more of? How, how can they bring more women on board? How can they as a company, as a yeah. business, change their mindset? Providing them what they need. Mm. It, it could be very basic things. Today you have, I would say, what, 50 plus minus percent of females working in a certain place. For sure, half of them would have kids. Mm -hmm. If you cannot provide them, for example, physical space Mm -hmm. to maybe have their kids be near them, give them the flexibility of time, not necessarily to spend eight hours at the workplace. Mm -hmm. When their kids start school, give them the flexibility of time to leave early. Allow them to come to the to work again the day after and feeling that this company considered what they have and it took it into consideration. Listen to them and always promote what they need on different levels. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you know today that majority of the females at the workplace, they have kids, they have families, they have different responsibilities, etc. The list goes on. Provide different options, whether in terms of rewarding system, whether in terms of uh, flexibility of the working hours itself. Be considerate. The smallest thing that could make a change. For example, uh, this was uh, one of the things that we did a few years back. We had so many females having, uh, how would I say, too many little kids Yeah. at a certain age. Mm-hmm. So. For a fact, I cannot remember each one of them. Uh, I mean, the because the their names, uh, their ages and everything. Yet, I want to feel that we're still a family because we spent uh, a lot of time together. Mm. So we did this sort of event that everyone there come with their families. Mm. They engage together. The families of the female uh, staff, actually all of them, both male and female, they became friends after work. 
So this encouraged some sort of bonding as well. Uh, these sort of things, it could be very minor, it could be very major, it depends on the company's willingness and uh, flexibility in offering such matters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we spend most of our time at work. Yes, yes, yes. yes. You know, exactly. and I feel like traditionally we used to separate mm. the two. Work is work, home is home. Where, whereas it shouldn't be. Yeah. yeah, the truth is it isn't that though. It, it isn't, it yeah. isn't. By the way, nowadays, people you, you spend your time with at the workplace, they're used, actually considered to be more of a family form because the number of hours you spend with them, sometimes it's even more than your actual family. Absolutely. Yes. So it's not a matter of, uh, I'm not saying not to be separated, mm. yet somehow they, they come t- uh, together. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what you're really doing, I guess, is like a, it's like a wave. People need to catch on because yeah. a lot of businesses are behind on that. Yeah. You know, they, they don't have that, I guess, the vision of of the future of the way the rest of the world is going. And, and, you know, you being such a global nomad and Mm. and going, moving around the world and Mm. and seeing everything, experiencing different people, that's given you the opportunity to be able to reflect this back at home. Uh, One of the things that, um, mentioning that, uh, how to have a vision and Mm. to keep up with what we have today. So one of the programs today that is being offered uh, in Saudi is a flexible work. It's called, I don't know actually how to say it, uh, but how to say it uh, precisely in English, mm-hmm. but it's called a flexible work. Mm-hmm. You don't have to work from the office. Okay. You only need to have certain num- a minimum number of hours mm-hmm. and you don't have to have a contract specifically with the company. You just need to authenticate your contract through the portal, the official portal of the ministry. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it depends then on your arrangement with the company. So when we started actually leveraging, okay, I sat with my team and then we had this sort of discussion. Today we want to hire 600 people. Mm -hmm. And actually most of them will be females because it's in their benefit. Right. You don't need to leave home. Mm -hmm. You don't need to work in the morning or at night. It's totally up to you. Mm -hmm. So when we started this project with the ministry, they said, Actually, the program itself allows each company to hire only 20% of their, of their Saudization percentage. Okay. So the, the number itself varies from company to another. But we said, okay, we want to, do, we want to hire more. Mm-hmm. We have a tool. We have a platform. We have a program. We have everything in place. We have a system. How can we leverage on all of that combined? Yeah. And have 600 people, additional manpower and resources to the company working efficiently. Wow. Yet we're not asking them to even come to work. Yeah. We're not asking them to do anything. The only thing we're asking them to do is promote the company's name. Mm-hmm. That's it. Wow. That they don't even have access to company system. The only thing they have is just sort of training, a very intensive one, just mm-hmm. to convey and to promote the company's name. Mm-hmm. So we worked for about nine months wow. on this project since last year. Mm-hmm. And then there, there was a company that approached uh, us at that time. And they said, we can give you the exception because we have the exception from the ministry. Mm-hmm. And we can give you this exception, yet you have to pay certain fees. Mm-hmm. And I was telling my team, if they had the exception, then what's stopping us from getting it uh, yeah. by ourselves? Mm-hmm. For sure, they did something to get it. Yeah. I'm sure then we can get it. Mm-hmm. We're a financial institution. It's a public listed company. Yeah. Why not? We need to leverage on that. And we worked nine months building the strategy, building the plan, and building the communication itself that we were sending back and forth with the ministry wow. to get the approval. And we had it by end of quarter one this year. Okay. We got the approval instead of hiring 38 people to hire 600 people. Wow. And all of this 
with doing all of this, we did not ask a single one of them to report to the office. We just told them, have your training, mm-hmm. have, have it in a very efficient manner, understand the company's vision, mm-hmm. understand the company's product, talk to people about it, and then we will do the rest. Yeah. And this made our sales increase by, I don't want to say 100%, I don't want to jump into that mm-hmm. much, but not minimum than 70%. Wow. While we're telling, and all of them females, by the way. Mm-hmm. And if there is even males, I think they, they can, I think now we did not reach to the 600 yet. Still, mm-hmm. we are working towards closing that number. But maybe only 10 of, uh, 10% of them, uh, they are male in the list. Wow. The remaining, they are females. We're giving them what they want. And we're an institution as well. We're getting the benefit out of it. Yeah. But all what it took is, yani, it was one simple thought away. Mm-hmm. If this company could, could get could an exception, yeah. we can do it. Let's work towards it. It sounds like an absolute win-win situation Definitely. for everyone yes. involved. And, and we speak about vision, but what is the vision for you now as an individual, as a professional? What is next for you? What are you aiming for? Listen, me, myself, as an HR person now, yeah. I'm not... <laughs> To me, the sky is the limit. Mm-hmm. I don't limit myself by saying, what's my vision? Mm-hmm. I have one ultimate vision that I always need to see something. I need to see myself big. Mm-hmm. I always put myself in big situations, big positions. And I sometimes manifest actually what I want to be. Mm-hmm. I work towards it. Today, I can sit in my place and say, okay, I'm good. I'm in a good position. I'm mm-hmm. doing this and that. And I know that I want to be somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I mean, personally. Yet, there are a few factors that you can control and other factors that you cannot control. No one knows what the future hides for us. So yeah. therefore, I'm not that very precise on where specifically I see myself. Mm-hmm. But the main thing is that, do I want to remain in the same place? No, for sure. Mm-hmm. Then I will tackle what comes along the way. Mm-hmm. And then I'll work towards it. And then, okay, I will work towards two approaches build the opportunity to myself and work towards having it brought to me. Mm. Which comes first? I will go towards it. I never say no to anything. Yeah. This is basically what I do. Mm. So this is how I see myself in terms of vision-wise, I would say. Yeah, I think that's an amazing approach to it because you're not putting pressure on yourself either. No, there's no need to put Mm. pressure. By the way, one of the things that I for sure... works towards it and make sure that my team do it as well. I never, never, never ask myself nor any of my team or any of the people I know, I never ask the question, where do you see yourself in five years? Mm. This is my opinion of it. It's outdated. Mm -hmm. Why to put pressure on someone? We don't know. I was lucky enough and fortunate enough that I am in this position now where if you ask me the day before actually taking this position, did I know that I was going to be there? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. But I had the opportunity, so I took it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. No one knows what the future, even for a, for a fresh grad, for someone in senior, for whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Today I'm in C-suite. For sure I want to see myself a board member. And maybe why not having some sort of, uh, I would say, uh, not authority, but being in a different situation where you deal yeah. with different uh, kind of, uh, I would say, judgmental matters. Mm-hmm. But I don't ask this question, uh, as I told yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. it's just, I guess, your your mindset and your perspective on keeping on pushing and staying yeah. a positive person, staying, you know, very much uh, just inspired. Look towards the future yeah. and build yourself. Yeah. Yes, this is the main thing. Yeah. I mean, today, okay, put, put work aside. Let's have it uh, on a normal basis, mm-hmm. I would say. 
if you will to hire someone mm. and they are very excellent and they have and you see their transcript they have the highest grades in every subject in mm-hmm. every form and uh, gpa wise you will be very impressed yet when you talk to them they're still fresh grad they don't know where they will be yeah and also maybe you will talk to someone not necessarily a fresh graduate mm-hmm. someone mid career i would say or near top management level yet they don't have the right attitude or the mindset mm-hmm. in this place which one would you choose based yeah. on that put your judgment and set your vision mm-hmm. for you for them yeah always have people and yourself working towards having the right mindset and build, uh, and working on building it yeah yeah i love that yeah. i love that and i think that's the most amazing uh, kind of takeaway and giveaway mm-hmm. for our listeners here today uh, neda i want to thank you so much thank you for your neda. time that was so insightful into you and what you do and i have absolutely no doubt that you're going to go wherever you want to go uh, <laughs> hopefully <laughs> so thank you. Oh, thank, thank you, you so thank much. you thank you i enjoyed the session thank amazing. you so much thank, thank you. you women in leadership brought to you by heron code